Dirty Bird Podcast contains foul language and is not appropriate for young fledglings. Listener discretion is advised. Our intro music is brought to you by Ricky Pistone, aka Dick Piston. And our outro music is brought to you by the Sidewalk Slammers. Check them out wherever you get your music. Are you looking for a podcast today? With ornithology and humor you crave? Well, I know all these guys and it's birds they like. It's Dirty Bird. Yeah, they're just a couple guys who really like birds. It's Dirty Bird. Yeah, they're pretty dirty, but they really like birds. Hello, and welcome to Dirty Bird Podcast, a podcast that's serious about birds, but nothing else. In each episode, I either tell you about an individual bird species or interview a guest. Um, Today, I'm interviewing a guest. I'm very excited. Um, I'm here to talk with someone about one of my favorite countries, Iceland, and the birds that are there. Cass, welcome to Dirty Bird Podcast. Thanks. Yeah, I'm psyched to be here. (laughs) thanks for being on the show um do you mind introducing yourself and also kind of talking about what got you into birds yeah yeah so my name is Cass uh and I've kind of been into birds for a long time um but I didn't really realize that I was like super psyched on birds actually but when I was a kid I would like paint birds and like I sculpted a bird once and like all this stuff but I never actually got into like the watching of birds until um I was out in Iceland I moved out there um, like a couple years back and I was an electrician out there for for like a year and a half or more. And uh, and so I was just like uh, doing a lot, a lot of other things out, outdoors and then a crazy ton of birds are out there. And mm-hmm. so it's really easy to get into out there, especially because there's like such a crazy culture for it. Like like yep. they have these uh, they have these little huts all over the place that are just bird watching huts. Um, in the town I was in, I was in the northern, the northernmost town, Akureyri, and so there were just all these huts where you'd go and be able to just like check out birds uh, from these huts. And there's like wallpaper of like all the different bird species you might see out <laughs> the hut windows and stuff. And and then like a lot of people that we talked to would tell us about birds and talk about birds just because there's so there's so many out there, especially in the springtime because they all seem there's like a ton of mating pairs out there in springtime so but yeah but yeah it wasn't it wasn't like i've ever been super into birding but then i got into it pretty fast out there because of the springtime and stuff and so i'm still a super new birder yeah i'm not like super like versed on all the different species and things it's it but it's fun it's like exciting because it's something new for me so Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the most exciting parts. I mean, I'm definitely not nowhere near an expert either. But like, that's I mean, that's one of the best things is every time you go out, you learn something new. There's always more stuff to know, um, always more birds to see. So uh, I mean, that's that's what keeps it exciting and cool. And uh, totally it kind of it, for me, it kind of feels like a puzzle where there's like parts of a puzzle piece are like literally everywhere all over the world. And like you could find different puzzle pieces just to like you're trying to put together like the giant ornithology puzzle so you can understand like (laughs) what the hell birds are doing. And so you just get like tiny pieces because you're like, oh, you know what? Like a year and a half ago, I saw that black bird and now I know what it is, but I had no idea what it was then. So it's just like 
you got to kind of be patient with it, you know? Yeah. Or like linking behaviors, you know, you see a bird do yeah. one thing in one part of the world and then like a different bird does something similar and you're like, Oh, like they're not even related. This is convergent evolution. Like, is this something, uh, you know, or maybe they are related and they're in very different areas of the world. And it's like, Oh, maybe this was something part of their common ancestor had, you know, that's carried through. So totally. it's, it's very cool. And it's still, I mean, it's, you know, an ongoing field of research. There's new studies coming out all the time. It's, it's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, there's, there's weird stuff that we just don't know about. It's just like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, so tell me a little bit about your time in Iceland. So you were mostly in the northern part of Iceland. You were working as an electrician. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was in mostly Akureyri for the first um, few months, and then I did some projects out in Mivatn, which was cool because it's like a huge bird paradise out there. It's like this uh, lake this with a bunch of hot springs around it. And so there's tons of waterfowl, basically. I got really into waterfowl and, uh, and like, I guess, shorebirds and stuff. Because mm -hmm. those are, and, and seabirds. I think those are my three, like, mo I'm most psyched on. Which is funny, because at first I was like, ducks are dumb. Like, I'm not that into ducks. But then I was like, <laughs> ducks are actually really cool. They do, they do some wild things, like swimming up rivers and and stuff like that. But but I really liked um, basically all the, all the shorebirds. Anything with a long beak or the curved beaks like a wimbrel was super fascinating to me or like the godwits um but i think my like biggest passion is seabirds i really love fulmars um and all petrels mm -hmm. and uh i want to get better at identifying gulls gulls are just dude i'm so fuckers. bad at it they're so hard you're like <laughs> you're like okay it could be so many different types of gull but you can't tell yeah. and you're like there's like a little wing bar and i don't know it's so hard especially in the non-breeding season too it's like yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. all their plumages change <laughs> you're like oh man yeah and then you got skuas in the mix it's just uh it's it's yeah. tough that's that's definitely something i've uh i've struggled with and want to get better at too but hey yeah. let's talk about those fulmars because oh, yeah. um those are incredible birds um I'm sure I've seen them, but like probably when I wasn't like super into good seabird identification, so I didn't know what the hell I was I was looking at. Yeah, um, yeah they're so cool. And yeah, you brought, uh, you know, we were talking before the show and you brought up just uh, how awesome it is, like their their beak, especially that, you know, yeah. tube, tube like beak. And then the fact that they are just the classic pelagic bird species, like pelagic meaning, you know, sea dwelling, like, yeah. you know, they only, they can only come around shore during the summer to, to breed. And like the other time they're on the open ocean, like totally. you know, pirates. It's, it's awesome. So yeah. What was your experience with them? Well, I heard from a couple Icelandic fishermen that, that out, uh, in the middle of the ocean, they would be in, in the winter time, like cold ass winter. And they just see fulmars floating like way out to sea and they're just like <laughs> chilling on the ocean that's where they go in the winter and they're just like desalinating water with their nose and so that's like the mm -hmm. big identifier it's it's like all the goals are hard to identify but fulmars are super easy because you're like you see this little spout thing on their nose so it's yeah. like obvious so yeah but uh i so at first the first colony i noticed was up in akureyri there's like a little cliff band um the the, up above the Hamrar, which is like this camping area. And so there's probably like 50 or 60 pairs, mating pairs there in the summer. And so I saw those and they're funny because they just chuckle like they, the Fulmar cackle, you know, is really classic <laughs> where they're just like clearly laughing at something. 
I'm constantly doing it. And so that, that's the first time I actually, and that's where I got puked on uh, the first time I got yes, puked on. Yes, yes, I was going to talk too. about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, got, that's, yeah. <laughs> their name actually in Old Norse um, means foul goal, fulmar. Um, and that refers to their habit of vomiting on, you know, intruders that get too close yeah. to their nests. And they'll do it. And it's like spray, too. It's like long distance. They can, like, shoot it at you. <laughs> so tell me, what did it smell like? And oh, how were you worst. able to get it off of yourself? It, it, oh, so I, I, I ended up throwing away my pants. Like, it basically <laughs> spewed all over my pants. And I couldn't. I, I washed them, like, four times. It never came out. So yeah. It's like this. <laughs> it's crazy. So that vomit that they do is, like, actually, like has a crazy like biological mechanism for for it so um so uh the fulmars that are in the family um prochella reformes and um all all members of these birds have those tube noses I'll, I'll talk about those in a second but um they actually have like two stomachs um the first part of their stomach um so like they eat their food it goes into like that first stomach the water soluble parts of their food stuff like protein carbs they move real quick and they just go straight into the second stomach and you know start getting digested but anything that's like oily like lipid rich um, those remain in the first stomach, the foregut. Um, and there's like several reasons for this. One of them is so that, you know, they can easily bring these fats back to their nest and regurgitate them up for their, uh, their chicks, you know, cause like fats are what a, you know, a chick needs to grow. But the second thing is so that they can projectile vomit this oily, <laughs> yeah. you know, foul smelling mixture onto anything that gets close to it. And, and it's basically dude, like fish oil too, right? It's like super fishy. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what it is. And, and yeah, Cass, um, uh, be uh, glad that you weren't a bird getting that vomited on yeah. you because um, it serves the double purpose, especially I think they do this to like skuas if skuas are trying to like poach on their nests because it's such a like oily mixture that if they vomit it onto a bird and that bird that, that bird won't be able to fly. And if that bird falls into the water, it's, it's no longer able to float either. Its feathers will get waterlogged and it'll straight up drown. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. it's like... A crazy attack weapon. Yeah, the uh, so right next to this cliff band uh, is also this like forest where there's all these rabbits. And someone told me once they found uh, dead rabbits covered in oil. Uh, Holy like, shit! That was from the the fulmar. They call they call them in Iceland. They call them uh, fit, I think, or something like that. Huh. But but yeah, so they were saying like the fit killed the the rabbit. It just like <laughs> like spewed oil all, all over it. And like it died. Holy shit! Yeah, I never. Yeah, because I guess if you got covered in oil, you know, you're a rabbit. You're not going to be able to thermoregulate anymore. So it probably like froze to death or something. Like yeah, that's and then nuts. I wonder if they eat it or I'm I'm not even sure what they. I think they eat fish mostly, right? So yeah, yeah, they're they're entirely um, fish eating. Yeah, the, okay. from what I saw, I don't think they scavenge on you know carcasses. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Bird, birds do crazy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but. Yeah, for Holy sure. Holy shit, that's yeah, insane. Pretty insane. They're they're like, and they're everywhere out there too. I went, so I one of my trips I took was to um, the northern part of a little further north than Akureyri even is uh, Olafsjörður, and it and right south of Olafsjörður by like maybe ten miles is the biggest fulmar colony in the world. What they say oh. is the biggest fulmar colony in the world. So I went out there and and camped um, beneath it basically, and just like listened to fulmars all night. And 
yeah, it was just like crazy to see so many like nesting together and and they do this thing where they kind of like really they really bug each other. They like fly in at each other <laughs> and they're like kind of aggro. So but well, they spend all that time pretty like solitary. Yeah, cuz the winter time, they spend their whole winters out at sea. They molt out at sea. It's it's nuts. Um yeah. yeah, and then so they're kind of pretty solitary, kind of like albatrosses, you know. I mean, they're they're in the albatross family. Okay. Um and um uh you know and then they come together and it's like uh i don't know maybe they're just not it's used a, to it's a to giant reunion <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 it's a big rock is a reunion <laughs> yeah yeah and they're all like laughing and stuff and then the one time i, I actually looked for it a lot because i knew they desalinated um water with their nose mm -hmm. but like i had never seen it um until i went up to the um west fjords and then i watched a fulmar for probably like half hour to 45 minutes, just like waterboarding itself. It was just straight up like in, in the ocean and it just looked like like there was like a ghost behind it, just forcing its face into the water. Cause it just like was like smacking itself in the water and then like going under with its wings and then continually right. just like slapping its face side to side on the waves and then like spouting water through its nose. It was wow. like a very, like it, i don't know it reminded me of like a boxer for some reason or like <laughs> like someone in a fighting ring yeah like it was very or shadow boxing i guess yeah, yeah <laughs> against like an unseen force it was really violent honestly and i was like this is such a weird behavior but i, I think they're clearing out their sinuses or something i don't know yeah so i my my understanding i think they're like most i didn't do a ton of research into their desalination but i I'm pretty sure they're like most um, pelagic birds where they basically have like a modified tear gland and they, they pretty much cry out salt, mm. um, like concentrated salt. So it's probably like clearing that off of its, um, uh, you know, beak and everything like that. Cause I'm sure just salt will just like stick to you. Um, mm. And, but I did read a bunch about their, um, you know, the, the tube like structure in, in their, in their beak. Um, yeah. It's, cool. it's really cool. Yeah, it's basically like an extension of their nost nostrils, like above the, you know, the upper mandible of their of their beak, the top of their beak. Um, and all of the members of that um, Procaloriform as uh, with albatrosses and petrels, they, they all have this. Um, and it's really cool because, um, you know, it's it's a tube like structure. It's part of the nostril. So, of course, you know, it, it obviously helps with smell. And these are birds that are out on the open sea looking for food. So, you know, it's very important that they can they can smell it. Um, but also another thing that um, uh, people have found is that it also is really important. It basically serves as like a wind gauge. I mean, you think about when they're flying and stuff like wind is going into that. Oh, really? That's yeah, it's crazy. not just smells going into it. It's wind also going into it. So um, cool. they can like it helps um, uh, wind direction, wind speed, um, maybe like a barometric pressure also, which is very important yeah. if you're a bird out flying over the ocean to know totally. like, hey, yeah, yeah, like, cause you gotta maximize energy. Hey, what altitude should I fly out? Hey, like, where should I be heading? You know, yeah. a big old storm over there. You know? they're, they're super good at gliding and flying. Like you can definitely mm -hmm. tell a fulmar because uh, it like, it'll never flap more than like five or six times in a row it's just like it always glides and it's like clearly saving a lot of energy like they're they're really smooth on the wind which is different yeah. than a lot of other seabirds around so 
yeah gulls are just flapping away and... yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah and the skuas are also pretty good i think they're related but those are cool too but they're a little more aggressive it seems like oh yeah Oh yeah, skuas are like the assholes of the uh, <laughs> of the bird world, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> of the seabird world, at least. Yeah, they'll like fly at you and like be like uh, they'll do this thing where they fly directly away from the shore and then they'll like do a, like a three sixty and then just like z- like fly directly at you at, eye, at eye level, just like aggressively and then like <laughs> just barely miss your head and you're like, oh man, these guys are crazy, like. <laughs> And they look, they look mean too. And I've also heard they like, uh, they'll like drown other birds. Like they'll yep. drown eider ducks and that are oh, yeah. diving ducks. They'll just like stay mm-hmm. above them and then they'll like dive bomb them every time they come up and eventually the duck will drown. <laughs> it's just like, wow. Yeah. They, they like, they this. look, you look at them. If you didn't know anything, you're like, ah, oh, it's just a seagull. But like, they're actually like pretty much on par with like hawks with like how predatory they are. Yeah. Um, did you ever make it out to Grimsey Island when you I, were on the North Park? I didn't, Park? actually. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't do that. Um, no, I went out to um, uh, Lunde, which is the Puffin Island, kind of uh, cool. a little closer up, uh, a little further up north. And then I um, did a big trip out to the Westman Islands. Oh, actually, I went out nice. there twice. And so I saw a ton of puffins out there, um, saw some red shanks, uh, spent a lot of time around oyster catchers and, yep. and a lot of, you know, cool cool seabirds for sure so the puffins are the fun one to see out there though because you can yes you can go into a museum actually in the westman a or the the main town in the westman islands and you can um you can like see puffins swimming underwater and and so you then you realize what they're actually good at because you see a puffin fly in real life and yeah no wonder you're endangered like (laughs) (laughs) you can't even fly buddy but underwater they're really impressive so you're like oh okay that makes sense yeah, I I only brought up Grimsey Island because uh, uh, with the Fomars, like historically, at least like you know, 350 years ago, when like you know ornithologists are you know first documenting all this stuff, like they're only like they only documented two breeding sites for the Fomars, and one of them was Grimsey Island, the other one oh. was Saint Kilda off of Scotland. Oh, there cool. there were probably some other ones too, but basically in the past 350 years the breeding range for northern fulmars has exploded. Um, they've been able to, to spread out like pretty far with the breeding range. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a ton now, right? They're, yeah. They're increasing, yeah. right? What uh, I'm, I'm going to have you guess. What, what do you think uh, maybe the reason for that? Um, I, I don't know, actually. I was like maybe um, like survival at, in the open ocean is like a pretty like yes. ideal – uh evolutionary trait you know that a lot of other birds don't have so like that would help for sure yeah so you 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 hinted at it earlier when you brought up that you talked with some icelandic fishermen and they would see them out in the open ocean so it's actually thought that the um the you know the past 350 years kind of also coincides with commercial fishing and whaling um uh becoming widespread in the north atlantic and so it's thought that actually um uh them f- being able to feed off of scraps from whaling, you know, earlier, <laughs> early on in the century, I guess, uh, there has been some whaling in Iceland. There still is. Yeah. Whaling. Honestly, like they, they try and keep it on the down low, but they're, they're still killing pilot whales and stuff. Just, you know, I... they're, they're so closely related to a lot of the Faroe Island culture too. So it's like, yeah, 
they're gonna continue killing whales you know <laughs> that's how it goes i i have a quick quick tangent i was uh hitchhiking in iceland which is is very safe a lot of people it, yeah. hitchhike there yeah but um i, I was hitchhiking that, yeah. in iceland and the guy who picked me up was on his way to go get on a whaling boat oh, and <laughs> i talked with him about it and he was the freaking harp they have like a freaking turret harpoon with like an explosive charge on the end that oh, they shoot my. into the whale and like explodes its heart or something oh, so he's like God. telling me all of that this. And I'm like, oh my god and he's like you know very i, I have noticed this uh ari ari my my host was like this too you know they're icelandic people you know they're very um protective of their culture and stuff yeah. so like he was very yeah. hesitant to talk about it and stuff but yeah. eventually he kind of he opened up uh, yeah. i was like hey man i'm non-judgmental just just you know I, i'm just i'm just here to learn totally um, yeah yeah you yeah. definitely can't go into a culture like that and have any like opinions on the morality of their lifestyle because, like, yeah. there's, yeah, I mean, I ate uh, shark when I was there. Do you ever have any of that, like, petrified <laughs> or, sorry, putrefied, I should say, shark Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I didn't because it, you must have been there in January whenever they have that festival where they where they eat it. Because, mm-hmm. when it, yeah, whenever I was, I was there in the summer and so nobody had it around. I, I would have tried it, but, yeah, I, uh, I did eat some weird you know, I was live. My hosts were providing me food, so I was eating some weird fish paste sandwiches and stuff. Like that. Yeah, they got they got some exciting stuff. I remember we 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 asked them some of their favorite foods, and the, our our land our landlords basically, and they were like, "This is my favorite food," and it was like a lamb face. It was like a face of a lamb, and you could see it, and like it was like. I don't know. I was like, this is your favorite food? Like, it has eyes. Like, it's looking to me. I, I did. I think I, yeah, no, I tried that. Yeah, I ate it at a, uh, at a restaurant in, um, when I was heading out of Reykjavik. Nice. Yeah. You, you got to do it. Part of the experience. Yeah, it's like the cheek, cheek muscles or whatever. Yeah. Supposed to be. I think I also had horse, which they like, so... It was like, pretty yeah. good. I, I felt, you know, a little bit bad about it, but yeah, I, I did too. But at least the old horses, they're they're doing something with them, you know. That's right. So, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Use it all. So, <laughs> um, I, anyway, I was gonna say the um, that place that I visited with the uh, biggest Fulmar colony is actually right um, across uh, the fjord from Grimsey. So oh. it's like really close. I think that whole coastline is. Uh, basically territory for fulmars to to breed and stuff so awesome yeah the whole north coast i think there's quite a lot of mm-hmm. fulmars out there these days going crazy yeah nice before this turns into a fulmar entirely episode. Yeah, sorry, I got, I got <laughs> no i'm i'm super psyched about them too they're so cool they're, i i need to cool do ones. just an episode dedicated to them but i got um uh, to go back to the, um, you know, their reliance on fishing or whatever, uh, studies of like their stomach contents, literally 40% of their diet is scraps from fishing boats. Okay. Uh, so that just that shows sense. how reliant they are. And then another yeah. cool fact about them, which um, I don't know if you knew, is that they actually have kind of like a convergent evolution with baleen whales um, in their beaks. They have like these baleen like, you know, keratin structures um that can filter out like small oil droplets or small little scraps of fish um from from the water um yeah which is is pretty amazing yeah so that's how they get all that fish oil in their stomachs so (laughs) So then they can puke it on you yeah Yeah, lots of uh lots of climbers uh get puked on by by uh fulmars in scotland because lots of people are into climbing the sea stacks 
and those oh. were like perfect for nesting fulmars so <laughs> yeah i climbed the sea stack out in iceland and there were two baby fulmars on top of it and they were like the fluffiest oh, cutest i think they're uh precocious or attritious which one's the one that's cute <laughs> or oh oh yeah yeah altrical uh, and altrical and precocial yeah. that's what it is <laughs> All I know is I messed it up on one episode and someone wrote in and was like, hey, dude, like, uh, you yeah. got it completely wrong. I think I try to remember it with uh, uh, precocial or precocious and beautiful and, like, cute, whereas uh, attritional are atrocious. <laughs> yeah. So, and they have the really scary beak. So Fulmars are uh, precocial and they're, like, really cute when they come out and, yep. like, fluffy. And, and need to rely on their parents and, yep, yep. Yeah. But... Well, let's move on to the pink-footed goose. So I, maybe I saw this bird when I was there in the summer. I had to have in the fields, but I just didn't know what I was seeing. But yeah, why don't you why don't you talk about your experience with them? With the uh, pink-footed goose? Yeah. So yeah. There's a ton of them out there, um, and they, they tend to breed in Iceland in like the rocky hills above, uh, above the town that I was in. And so I first saw them on a, in a valley called uh, Gleradalur which is just like river valley. There's a river that goes through Akrari that's called the Glera. And so just north of town is, uh, or I guess west of town, is this really deep, this gorge. And so uh, the the pink-footed geese like to land and nest on like the very rocky outcroppings of this gorge. And I think it's because, or I heard that it's because um, there's a lot of minks and uh, arctic foxes in the area. And the minks aren't indigenous. They came from somewhere no, else. They're American minks. Yeah, yeah, they're they're a menace out there. So yep, yep. They, they try and kill them as much as they can, <laughs> but they'll they'll attack and kill uh, or they'll destroy uh, bird eggs, especially mm -hmm. I think geese. So mm -hmm. as well as the Arctic fox. But if they put their nests right out on like the very edges of some of these cliffs, it's harder for the the mammals to get to them. Mm -hmm. um but yeah so i went down there one day i spent a lot of time on that river it's a really cool river um and there's just like usually th like three or four of the pink-footed geese that are like protecting the eggs and so i just went back day in and day out and just tried to watch them and uh figure out kind of and that's the thing they're really smart they're not like the the gray lag geese like, I feel like gray lag geese out there don't really give a shit and they'll just like stay put and they're not that smart. <laughs> but the the pink-footed geese, like if they see you, like basically if you can see them, they can probably see you. And yeah. as soon as they see you, they take off and they like fly as high as they can. They get eyes on you and then they do a couple passes and they alert every other pink-footed goose oh, in the wow. area that you're there. So you really got to be sneaky. You got to like crawl through bushes and like you're really like being covert to try and get a good glimpse of these guys, especially on their nests, because um, they'll leave their nests. And I think they abandon their eggs, too. So because I, I had like two or three different times where I was like I got seen. They flew off their nest and then I just waited for them to come back and they didn't come back for like hours. And then I, I returned days later and the nests were like completely dispersed and eggs gone and stuff. Oh um, man. Probably mink or, or, uh, yeah. Or, or fox. Goals. Or... There, there were goals in the area. Goals are a big ones too. Yeah. yeah. The, um, GR falcons, 
owls, yeah, yeah ravens. There's, a, there's yeah. a lot that are going to take advantage for sure yep. of an of a yep. unprotected nest. But one time I went down to a nest and looked at it, um, and uh, I thought it was really fascinating because there was a a rock, and this might just be have like perhaps a rock fell in there, but it was like a pyramid shaped rock with like three um, convex sides. So like hmm. it was kind of the perfect size rock to slip to in where the eggs, eggs were yeah. like all cushioned against this Resting. rock. Yeah. And then the, and it was warm. The rock was warm. So I thought to myself, wow. I wonder if this is actually like a way for like they put a rock in the nest that can then retain heat of the, yeah. of the female bird. And then the female bird, if it goes off to get food, well, eggs will be keep okay. The eggs yeah. warm. I don't know. Maybe that's a thing. Maybe it's not. Maybe. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I, I think what's super interesting about these birds is like, is the fact that they nest up in the highlands of Iceland, um, you know, because uh, it really doesn't seem like the most inviting, inviting place. I mean, it's beautiful, oh, no. you know, like yeah. the valleys in between the glaciers and stuff like that. But I mean, man, you think like the, the low country looks so lush and nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. most geese are just nesting on like golf courses. I mean, they, you know, I'm thinking about the Canada geese, you know, here in America, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And the there's fact still that a they lot go... of storms too up, up yes. there still. Like, yeah. I saw, I saw a couple um, geese like on their nests just covered with snow and they're just still wow. chilling there. Just like, they're so resilient, <laughs> just like swans, swans out there really resilient it's crazy yeah. you can just you see like a frozen swan in the middle of december you're like <laughs> oh, wow that's an impressive bird um yeah and they uh they'll winter in um in like uh england based the whole population winters in england um there's about like okay. I, I saw three hundred fifty thousand to five hundred thousand uh pink-footed uh, oh. uh geese um and uh, they, the entire, some of them uh, also breed in Greenland, but the entire population goes down to England to uh, to winter in. There's also like a Norwegian population too. They they also go to England and, oh, and Scotland. Okay. So um, do any of them cross over North America usually, or not really? Mm-mm. I remember no. there's a there's one little part in uh, the big year. Yes, whatever, yes, where they see a pink footed goose, yeah, they in see, like yeah, Colorado or something. And so it's like what and, the. Yeah, <laughs> that's like supposed to be like the most historically interactive. I think they might be vagrants occasionally, but it's it's like you know to like probably Maine or Canada. You know, oh, okay, they so they would never actually too. go that way. Yeah, no, they, they would never. Where they be been freaking... going? We're like, are they going to Mexico? Like they're just gonna. <laughs> they're like, I'm out of here. <laughs> Pink foot a goose in Cancun. Like, All right, <laughs> this is rad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got himself a pina colada. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um but um yeah i i also because they you know nest in the in the highlands these are like the arctic fox pretty much relies on pink-footed geese like they because the what what the gray leg is grayling is is that the other goose great gray lag yeah the gray Gray lag yeah and yeah they're they're in the lowlands so like yeah Yeah. the pink-footed goose um also the pink-footed goose is the largest native herbivore of iceland whoa which is nuts to think about it's a pretty big bird but there's also not a lot of yeah there's like no predators except for the arctic fox that's the biggest predator in iceland are the tiny little they're so cute yeah they're adorable well except when a polar bear sometimes uh riffs over exactly when those wash up yeah i guess uh these days though they say that the last one that actually came was i think 
like 20 years ago but uh the government like apparently issued a mandate or not a mandate but like told everybody if you see a polar bear again shoot it bury it tell no one <laughs> So we don't actually know if, what? yeah, because like, because the last one, I think there was a big to do in Reykjavik, and yeah, about what like, we do about it, or yeah, yeah, and a lot of lot of like uh, animal rights people got up yeah. in arms about it. But like, if a polar bear washes ashore in Iceland, it's hungry, it's gonna kill people, so <laughs> it needs to be tranked. And a lot of people are gonna be against that. So basically, the oh, government was just God. like, don't tell anybody, just kill it. <laughs> And bury it. It's like okay. Oh my god. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. So I um, you know I I hiked like the Lagavegger Trail, and so was up in some oh, nice. of the these highlands areas. Yeah, and in yep. some of the areas I was reading about that um, the pink-footed geese, you know, will breed where, where some of the some of the valleys nearby where I was, and you know I just picture those picturesque valleys with glaciers on either side, and you know. Uh, river running through and the and the nice you know vibrant green grass it's insane how green that grass is yeah um so yeah that's that's where they like to hang out um and um they're uh they once they migrate from britain though they'll actually spend some time in the lowlands kind of like refueling um and and eating there before they head up into the highlands to breed um and uh so they, I mentioned they were the largest herbivore, but now, you know, Iceland has sheeps and horses uh, and yep. cows yeah. and pigs and reindeer um, oh, yeah. that were the all, reindeers. yeah, that were all brought over. And um, there is, you know, some concern that these larger herbivores are uh, competing, um, you know, for plant life with the um, uh, pink-footed goose. Um there have been some studies that show that um, areas that are excluded from sheep um, result in more productive um, grasslands um, uh, for, um, you know, uh, herbivore birds. Um, so it's, oh. it's, yeah. So it's, well, they, yeah. they, they graze sheep everywhere. It's crazy. They'll yep. even, they take sheep up in buckets and put them on like cliff islands in the Westman <laughs> Islands where they like, They'll haul them up in buckets to these like the, these islands that where there's like a hundred foot drop into the ocean on every side, you know. Yep. So it's like they use every single piece of green grass they have to graze the sheep. So that's <laughs> yeah. There's like oh god, what saga is it? I think it's like um um oh his name starts with a G. Gretchen saga. Yeah. Gretchen's saga, yeah, yeah, where he goes and hides out on that um, on, island. On Drange, yeah, and, that's a yeah, that's, yeah. I went out there actually. Drange is a really cool island. There's, you did go out there, yeah. It's on my bucket list to go out there. But yeah, there's yeah. like sheep up there, and the yeah, farmers are all pissed because and... he's eating their sheep. Oh, totally, yeah, yeah. It's like free meal for the outlaw. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> jokes on you for putting my food out here. <laughs> um, uh, some other cool things, uh, or another thing like conservation wise i guess to mention about the pink-footed goose is um i i was reading some stuff and uh you know iceland's great with it's like renewable energy you know they're they're entirely renewable energy from geothermal and then yeah. also from some dams of of, of the rivers yep. but um uh they've you know talked about doing more um as far as dams and, and geothermal plants the thing is is most of those would go happen up in the highlands yeah um and uh would potentially destroy uh significant pink-footed goose um, breeding habitat totally so 
Yeah, and, you and know, wetlands. There's like so much. There's a lot of problems right now when in Iceland with uh, groups trying to promote the bringing back wetlands. Actually, because I think for a lot of years the Icelandic government uh, took and tried to take water out of out of areas and reduce wetlands because of worry of disease and all sorts of things. But it really affected bird habitat. And I think also yeah. like the fact that they do so much geothermal. And they did a lot of damming rivers too. Um, in fact, there's a river that they that they had a hydropower dam on in um, kind of in the Mivatan region, and a farmer near it, uh, and all the all the people of the community were really against it. And he just went and dynamited the dam. <laughs> he like fully was like, because they're like, it's funny the it's that's classic Icelandic culture Dude, too, yes. where they're like, we do whatever the fuck we want. And the government cannot say no because, like, <laughs> we know our lands the best, and like, you know, they're they're a little bit anarch anarchy anarchy, yeah, uh, prone out there. I feel yes. like because you're like, well, this is a little bit of a tangent too, but like, I I found a lot of similarities between American culture and Icelandic culture, yeah. where just very Absolutely. like um, independent minded, like. Um, you know, and and one of the this is a crazy statistic, but like if you look at like gun ownership rates, like Iceland is like one of the very few countries that's like on par with America. Of course, yeah. their gun violence is like nothing. Yeah. Um, but uh, almost yeah. non-existent. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, they just have a very like individualistic vibe. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, that kind of resonated with me with like uh, kind of america like you know out west and stuff um, yeah and i don't think people realize how ag agrarian the country is too because most people's experience with it is just through reykjavik right which is yeah it contains three-fourths of the population but um yeah. the rest of the the country is entirely uh rural um and just yeah. these tiny towns of like 300 people you know it's, totally. it's, it's nuts and they've been living there for generations and generations so like they mm -hmm. know their land they know their rights and like they they can yeah. you know and then like uh actually just above basically i moved to like kind of the conservative capital of of uh iceland is akureyri i would say and so like they a lot of people have guns there's a shooting range up above town hunting's pretty big and then they're also mm -hmm. all into like their cars uh they have like really big <laughs> yes. like, modded out huge wheel cars yep they love um, driving those up in the in the highlands yeah. and stuff and taking yeah. them up the crazy steep cliffs. Yeah, yeah, with like the big snorkel so they can cross rivers. I I've <laughs> yep. been on a couple rides with people crossing rivers and like you wouldn't believe like some of these monster trucks they're crossing like class 2 if not class 3 mm -hmm. rapids, which mm -hmm. like is insane if you've ever been like river rafting and know what like a class 3 rapid is. You're like what you're you're like driving across <laughs> that right now in the, in your huge car that has yep. wheels that are taller than me so. and then uh idiot tourists see people do that and they try to take their car and their car literally floats away <laughs> yeah, down yeah, the exactly. river yep. <laughs> like, yep. yeah. like we saw that happen when we were there <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's they, like, that is yeah. happened so often. The tourists getting trapped in the highlands with their little little Volvo or something. Like, oh my what are you gosh. doing out here? Everything's bigger than you. yeah. Someone, uh, one of my friends compared or said that Iceland was really similar to America. It like had some of the shine of America, basically, mm -hmm. which is interesting. It's an interesting like way to put it, but yeah.
They yeah, are. except they're a little bit more pure because they at least colonized a uninhabited land. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think the only natives that were there were some Irish monks. Um, when when they showed up, that was it. So, um, mm-hmm. at least they actually, you know, manifest destiny a uh, a uh, unconquered land, not like our tainted past. But oh well. <laughs> yeah. How did we even get here? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we're supposed to be talking about birds, right? Yeah, yeah, birds. <laughs> um, so one one uh, quick thing I want to bring up about pink-footed geese is um, if you think about their breeding range or their range just entirely right now. So they breed in Iceland and Greenland, and then they winter in England. So, um, like, thinking about their evolution and stuff, it's kind of, like, throws a wrench in a lot of stuff because – these are areas that were all like entirely covered in glaciers, you know, during, uh, you know, the Pleistocene. Um, so there's a lot of debate on like where pink footed geese came from. Um, yeah. So like, um, and when you look at the genetic data, um, it's pretty crazy. It shows that there was a bottleneck of the species at one point, um, where they were actually down to as few as a hundred to 1000 individuals. Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah. They were almost gone. Yes. And it's a, it's debatable about where they were during that time. Um, there's actually a theory that was like pretty big a couple years ago. I mean, a couple years, nineties or something, um, that they were actually in refugia in Iceland, like up in the mountains, you know, there was like geothermal activity. So maybe it remained ice free and they were able to stay there. Um, now that's kind of gotten some more pushback um, uh, that, you know, they probably were somewhere else and then came to Iceland. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of a cool theory that, you know, like that they were just like a hundred pink footed goose just holed up in Iceland, hanging out at like a hot spring or something awesome. during the last glacial maximum. <laughs> yeah. Someone needs to write some metafiction about that. It was just like, like, like a watership down, but with pink footed yes. geese. <laughs> just... And an Arctic fox is coming in and grabbing one. And all of a sudden yeah. a polar bear shows up and just starts wrecking shit. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a great plot line for sure. <laughs> oh. oh man. Um, all right, let's um, let's move on. So you were talking about the wetlands. So um, that circles me to a bird um, that's super beloved, um, the golden plover. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's the, Love just the this cutest. Bird. It's so adorable. Yes. I honestly think plovers are the, the cutest bird species that I know of because they just make this little peeping sound. Yes. And it's just like, it's it's like a little cry. It's like a kill, kill deer, right? Like yes. kill deer Yeah, they're, they're in the same family. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same thing. And you also like see like the kill deer tactics with like the broken wing, which is like, yes. it just makes you have empathy for the bird. You know, it's like, yeah, it's escape tactic makes you compassionate for the bird. So you oh, like- yeah, it's so smart. And so like, um, uh, what it like, not self-serving, like, sacrificial or like you know exactly i mean yeah yeah yeah, they can fly away but still they're like trying to lure the predator away no come at me not my eggs and And they're so actually they're really uh covert like they're smart i think Mm -hmm. like the the craziest thing for there was just a sound that i heard for a long time and i couldn't figure out what it was and it's i know exactly what you're talking about but it's just like a peeping and then i would like walk up on it it's ephemeral sounding yeah yeah and then i walk up on it and it would disappear and I wouldn't see any movement. And and this is like uh, the highlands of, of Iceland. So like, it's just grass. It's just tufts of grass. There's not big bushes. There's not trees. So it's like, how are these, how are these birds moving so 
so quickly and so silently that I actually can't follow it. And, and I can hear it like literally 10 feet, 15 feet away from me peeping. And then it stops. And then I hear it, you know, 10, 15 feet mm-hmm. somewhere else. And I don't know if it moved or if it's a different <laughs> one. Like, they... It starts making you think of the, the hidden people when, when that Exa- starts. Oh, you totally. Know? Yeah. <laughs> I know. My host was telling me all these stories and then I would go like hiking up in the mountains and be all misty and like, yeah, I'd hear like a ptarmigan and like not oh, really yeah. know what it is. And I'm like, oh, and I was reading the sagas at the time too. Yeah. So oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, fuck. Is this, a, is this one of those ghosts? Like, is this <laughs> Those ptarmigans sound like, yeah. <laughs> so like aliens or something. They're scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, my partner's really good at with, she's like, has synesthesia. So she's actually really good at talking about like what. Oh, Oh, wow. Um, what different types of bird sounds sound like. And uh, she was talking about the ptarmigan, and it sounds, it really does sound like, um, do you know that uh, the it's like an instrument, it's like a wooden instrument, and you drag uh, the, the wooden dowel over like a raised surface that has like bumps on it. Um, yeah, like, the, like the one that's like... Yeah, like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That sounds exactly like the ptarmigan, actually, which is like this kind of like croaky, like like weird, (laughs) scary kind of sound. The other one is the the snipe. Um, when it does, it's like down its dive that where it flutters. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. dude, I couldn't figure out what the hell that was for the longest time, and I'd be like out walking, like what the hell. And then when I finally, I think I finally saw one do it, and I, and then I was like, oh, dude, yeah. And you can see it vibrate its like wings and tail mm-hmm. or whatever. But it's it's so cool, and it uh, it sounds like um, a sheep that has been like had a synthesizer put on it. Yes, that's what I thought it was. I was like, damn, these sheep, they're <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there it's like no a, it's sheep like a, around me. It's like a T Pain sheep, basically, or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Auto tuned. Yeah. yeah. An auto tuned sheep. sheep is what it sounds like. <laughs> T sheep. Pretty weird, though. But, um, yeah. but back to the golden plover. So, uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up with these, so, I mean, these are a. Um, you know, a bird that um, thrives on like the agricultural land of Iceland. Um, so, you know, they, they do well with the sheep. Like those grazing lands are, are where, they'll, where they will um, nest. Um, so there's great golden plover uh, habitat in Iceland, um, but it does come at expense for wetland birds, you know, our, our wimbrels, our godwits. Um, yeah. yeah, like you said, Iceland, you know, they. Um, you know, when the Vikings showed up, what they did was, uh, chop down all the trees and, and yeah. then eventually, you know, drain a lot of the, the wetlands and swamps, um, to create agricultural land. Or um, set them on fire too. I think a lot of uh, Vikings would just like show up in ships and be like, okay, any land that is burned, that was me. Yeah. It's my land yeah. now. So they just like <laughs> set fire to all these forests and it's like, um, yep. Oh, yeah, dear. there's a lot of stories in the sagas too of them like making charcoal and then they'll fall asleep or get drunk and then accidentally burn down a whole forest and it's just like whoops. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Guess man. we got to go to Norway to get more wood. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, uh, when you were over there, do you remember seeing these um, reforestation uh, yeah. attempts? Like, totally. yeah, I tried to get involved yeah. with it actually, um, but I-, I knew a couple people who were doing it directly. And I, I don't know how it's related to, um, like, uh, basically, I think there's someone and they, they get permission from the person, the landowner, directly. Um, 
but but uh, I met a few different people who were just going around planting trees all over the place, and I think they've increased. I think uh, a few years back it was like two percent of Iceland was mm-hmm. forested, and now it's up quite a bit to in the teens. I want to say like fourteen to seventeen or something like that. Um, a pretty a higher percentage, I think. Maybe maybe it's not as high as that, but there's definitely like a lot more trees because of this movement, which is really good. So yeah, it's it's good. It is. Um, I don't want to rain on the on the reforestation parade, oh, yeah. but it is a bit of a double edged sword um, because oh, yeah. um, one, a lot of the so the native forests of Iceland, the, the only native continuous forests of Iceland, are were bir- a type of birch tree. Um, and, uh, a lot of the trees that are getting planted now are not birch. They're like larch or, um, you know, not basically like non-native, um, uh, tree species, which I mean, I guess is better than, you know, nothing, um, Mm -hmm. and is good for soil erosion, but still it's, it's definitely not, you know, going back to the, uh, you know, the, what it was before. Um, the other thing is the areas that are getting planted with, with trees, uh, like you mentioned, it's, it's, it's usually on private land Yeah, and, what you know a farmer is or you know someone with private land the area that they're probably going to let people plant trees on is not their nice productive agricultural land it's probably you know the the shitty wetland that they can't do anything with you know totally um so um so that's going to change the wetland yeah yeah so the wetlands are kind of suffering in that regard or it's like or it's like another area that might have drained into a wetland and now the trees are going to be taking that water so um, it is a bit of a double-edged sword that yes, we're you know bringing back some forest, but um, but the you know the wetlands are kind of suffering, um, right. and not a lot of this agricultural land that was you know once wetland or once other habitat has been converted to re- uh, agricultural land that's now remaining agricultural land. It's not you know going back to, right. to whatever it was before. So, and, um, and the wetland is so critical for so many different species, yes. whereas I yes. think there's only. There's only only a few like forest dwelling species in Iceland, uh, like the red wing, uh, I think, or Skogurthrostur or something like that. Uh, I think is what they're called, Skogurthrostur. They're like this. They almost look like um, a robin, except they're all red. Oh and yes, yes, yes. I remember those guys. Yeah. They were they were a really cool species, and they were like uh, they're like super sneaky, also. You know, mm-hmm. and like. Like uh, the, they form colonies in a lot of there. There's quite a few forests actually in Iceland. A lot of people say it's yeah, deforested. Th- but... Thorsmark was one of my favorites. I didn't I really ever like... go to Thorsmark, but yeah, that's, that that's was... in the Lagervatn Trail or whatever. The yeah, 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 in the Lagavega Trail. Yeah, Lagavega. Yep. Yeah, nice. Yeah, um, I just found a quick stat that I was trying to look for, but historically, downy birch—that's what the tree is. It used to cover twenty percent of Iceland. And then, yeah, it got down to like 2%. Um, and, and it is going up now. But um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, dude, um, when, when I was in Thorsmark, um, which, uh, yeah, I mean, it's Thor's wood. Um, but oh. when I was there, after being, you know, in the highlands of Iceland and also in the lowlands, you know, like where you really don't see trees, going into Thorsmark, I was like, what is this place? Like, I hadn't <laughs> seen trees, a forest yeah. in like, you know, weeks or something. I was like, what the hell? Totally. <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a really cool forest up in Akureyri as well, um, and like it, it's uh it's called uh, Kjarnaskogur, and uh, there's tons of trees, and you really feel like you're in really dense like wild place, like you can't see anything, yep. and like yep. the the pine forest, there's like even pine forests up in there, 
which are really dense and and a lot of these red wing um red wing birds live in there and and have colonies and they're pretty cool to listen nice. to so and lots of songbirds and stuff oh yeah i was i you just gave me a flashback memory because yeah i remember when i was in um oh god where was i um rake i was near rake holt i was near rake holt it was where um snorri sturgelson that famous icelandic um uh, yeah uh, yeah um poet writer you know. Yeah, right. poet, writer, yeah, saga writer, whatever, um, where he was born. Um, and I remember this because I passed, like, a statue of him, and I walked into, like, a forest near the town. And um, a baby one of them just, like, or a fledgling, I guess, just, like, awkwardly flopped out of a tree and basically, like, fell on me. And so I was, like, holding him, and he's just, like, chilling, like, pretty calm. He's, like, meh. He's, like, whatever. <laughs> and I, cool. I, yeah, yeah, I took a little picture with him, and then I was, like, all right, dude, go back on your... <laughs> Bush. Nice. <laughs> I think he yeah. thought I was warm or something. He's like, "Oh, you're you're nice," because of course it was a cold, rainy day, like most in Iceland. <laughs> yeah, nice. It's it's almost impossible to be in Iceland and not notice the bird life. I feel like because mm -hmm. especially in in the springtime, you're well. Actually, there's a ton of bird strikes. Uh, I think that's like the worst thing is that uh, Icelanders love their cars so much, and there's so much driving, yeah. and then there's yes. so much tourism that is just driving the ring road. And so yes. in the in the spring it's a bloodbath. They're just like killing baby birds everywhere on the roads because uh. there's so many, you know. And of course these little baby birds are kind of dumb and don't know what a car is yep. yet. So they're just gonna yep. fly directly into your bumper or your windshield. So. Well, yep. speaking of a bloodbath, I have a segue <laughs> here. Um, it's about um, one of uh, both of our favorite birds. I think the Arctic Tern. Oh, nice. Um, Yes, which we really like. Um, Kriya. Kriya, yeah. yes. Um, and a beautiful bird. And uh, I, I, I think I spend like a good 20 minutes on the Arctic turn in my, in my first Iceland episode I do. But I wanted to bring this up because um, talking about kind of stupid little baby birds and also <laughs> like the slaughter in the spring, yeah. um, I have a kind of crazy story about the carnivorous sheep of Iceland. What? So. <laughs> So this story comes from um, Flati Island uh, that's in northwestern Iceland. Yeah, are, are I did go there. Island? Yes. You did uh, go there? Okay. I've been, I've been there. It's, it's right by Grimsey, kind of. It is? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, am I pronouncing that right? Is it Flati? Yeah. yeah Flati? Okay. Okay. Um, in 2019, um, this herd of sheep on Flati Island were observed pretty routinely eating the eggs of Arctic terns no. and also <laughs> mutilating the chicks. What? They would bite off the heads of chicks and sometimes they would just bite off the wings and oh then my... just like leave them alive. <laughs> oh my God, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. They also did this to red shank chick or one red shank chick was no, also observed that they did this to. red shanks. Yeah. <laughs> And and Cass, uh, the worst part is this is like not the only incidence of this oh, on Iceland. No There's way. a scattering of other reports. Um, usually, for some reason, it's usually Arctic terns. I don't know why. Um, but there's also like wimbrels. It's been reported happening with golden plovers. No um, And way. dude, there's pictures of this too, and like it's absolutely brutal. Like literally, the sheep are just like covered in blood, and they're like looking at the camera like little nice sheep, and they're just like covered. That is in so. That's so interesting, like, because, like, 
there are so few predators that maybe that ecological yeah. niche hasn't been filled. So suddenly there's like a way too many sheep and they're like, yeah, we're going to fill the niche, bro. We're going <laughs> to eat your eggs. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, theorized it was like maybe the sheep are pursuing like they had were having a calcium deficiency or something like that. Oh, um, and so they were trying to eat the eggs or get some bones, you know. Um, yeah. Um, sheep aren't alone in this. Also, those beautiful Icelandic horses um, have been observed eating bird eggs. Really? Too. Holy yeah. hell. Yeah. Whoa, that's wild. That's super <laughs> wild. It's not just the mink then. No. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, crazy. they're not the only uh, uh, invasive species that's eating, eating huh. birds. <laughs> huh. Dang. Well, I guess uh, another predator is seals, uh, or like uh, sea lions or whatever. I think the, those will prey on, I think, some other things. I'm not sure on, on bird eggs, though. So, But yeah. as far as like other predators in Iceland, I guess technically those are bigger than the Arctic fox. But but I yeah. saw, I saw like, uh, I went once out to, um, it was on that same trip that I went to the West Fjords, and I went down into this little town and went out to the fjord, and there were um, maybe close to 50 uh, Arctic terns just circling this bay and uh, dive bombing. What I saw was a jellyfish bloom. So there's just like a ton of jellyfish all over, which, which is like more and more common um, these days. Apparently, you know, I think warming waters and different things mm -hmm. mean that there are more jellyfish blooms. So it's actually kind of a danger. It's like not, I don't think uh, the Icelandic people are super psyched on how the <laughs> huge amount of jellyfish that are yes. blooming in a lot of their fjords these days. But yeah. I think it also has a lot to do with um, with uh, fish farming, which is like a major problem in Iceland, you know, just like, mm. just like Norway and Tasmania, like fish farming has decimated Tasmania's ecology. And uh, the same thing has kind of happened in um, Norway, and I kind of think the next place that's going to happen if it's it continues Iceland. to yeah. be big is Iceland. There's like a lot of fish farming out there. Mm. So I think that causes jellyfish bloom as well. But anyway, so all these uh, Arctic terns are, are like dive bombing these jellyfish, and I was like, are they eating the jellyfish? Um, but then I kind of saw a bunch of little minnows following the jellyfish, and so I mm. think the Arctic terns were, were doing that. But they're so yeah. fascinating to watch. And then right in the middle of all that, uh, a sea lion came up like right next to me and breathed like like it does where it's like this big <laughs> foggy breath and then yeah. disappears under the water again. So that was, a, that was a really cool like moment to see like all these different elements of, of life. But the Arctic terns are so fun to watch because they're like they wheel on a dime. They're so yes. impressive with like, so graceful. Yeah, they can turn super fast and mm -hmm. they, they have like the the long uh, tails yes. with the little like fe like feathered tails at the end that yeah. are really cool and like really sharp wings and for oh yeah they're like angelic yeah yeah they're they're amazing yeah. and and it just so little effort they like barely barely move their their wings and they're just doing somersaults and flying all around and like you can you can totally tell like how they're able to do such you know crazy migrations like and, and what I love about them is, like, they're the bird of always summer, you know. They're just constantly chasing the summer. Like, you know, they're in the north, and then they cross the equator, go down for summer in the south, come back up. It's 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 really cool. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see – I'd love to see one migrating. I feel like that's, like, on – that's the on a bucket list for my life because I've, I've seen them now in their northern environment, but it would be mm -hmm. really – 
like you know it's a super special moment if like you're in their path of migration yeah. and you just happen to see them on that day that'd be pretty special i think that would be well man all all these all these uh birds are just so so special um and uh i i could talk about them forever um do you um cass have any closing remarks like about uh the birds of iceland or your experience there anything else that i I don't know we didn't touch on or that really like you know that you loved i'll just tell one more story about uh an oyster catcher i went after this oyster catcher for like probably two weeks where i tried to see this oyster catcher every single day because it had a little arm or a leg band a silver leg band with like four numbers on it and i could never get those numbers because it was so like it had clearly been caught and then oyster catchers are like very uh perceptive so like he would see me and and i would try and like i even like had a tripod for my binoculars so they wouldn't shake so i could like really get in and see this armband i only ever got a it starts with a four but this four digit number i never got <laughs> off the thing he was, Damn so, it. he was so good at like evading me um but but i, I don't know i kind of fell in love with those catchers from that because he was down in that same river with all those pink-footed geese in the glara and he clearly remembered being caught because he was the only oyster catcher i ever saw that had a band and also the only oyster catcher I ever saw that was that worried about humans, you know? <laughs> and so I just thought it's interesting that, that yeah. you know, they're intelligent enough that wow, being caught probably affects and changes their behavior. Oh so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that one was like, I don't want any more jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate this anklet. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst, not cool. But yeah, there's, there's so many birds, so. I could absolutely talk about Icelandic birds all day. So thanks for <laughs> thanks for chatting with me. It was it was fun to kind of hash yeah. out some of them. No, thank you for coming on and telling your stories. That was that was so much fun. I always, I mean, it's what it's my pretty much my favorite, you know, country, and uh, uh, yeah. I, I can't wait to get back out there. And uh, I definitely need to check out your neck of the woods up in the northern part. Um, yeah. Since we were talking about the oyster catcher, I'll close out with an Icelandic quote. Um, so you know, the golden plover. Um, you know, in Iceland, they say um, uh, when the golden plover, you know, arrives, spring is coming. Um, but when the oyster catcher returns, spring is officially here. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got that from the uh, the Reykjavik grapevine. Um, I love that little magazine. Oh, too. yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, well, Cass, uh, thank you so much. Um, and to everybody, as always, stay dirty, fellow birdies. Dirty Bird Podcast is brought to you by me, John, with my rotating panel of guests and co-hosts. Thanks for being on the show, everybody. The Dirty Bird theme song is by Ricky Pistone. Check out his groovy and hilarious music videos on YouTube. The outro music you're listening to right now is a song New York Redneck by the Sidewalk Slammers. Check them out wherever you get your music. The Dirty Bird Podcast logo is by the very talented TJ Ranoski. And of course, a shout out to my beautiful wife, Lauren, who created my original logo. Check out the show notes for this episode for a full list of credits for any bird calls or sounds used in the episode. Thanks for listening.
horses at the track Driving to Brooklyn, ain't never coming back Tim's on the ground in the concrete jungle I might get into a little rumble 